You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 376. For example, if I have, you know, one or two files that I give a title company to just go ahead and test them out, the updates, that's something I'm looking for. If a title company's taken more than an hour or two to respond to me, that probably means that I'm not top priority within their stack. And a good title company is, no matter how busy they are, are going to make time for you because they want your business and they actually care about your file. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Hey guys, before we get started with the podcast today, I want to tell you about a very special contest we're running just for you, our listeners. I am so excited. So what we're going to do is we are going to fly down three people to spend two full days with me in sunny Florida, where we're going to review either your wholesaling business, your current business, or we are going to work like heck to get you your first deal. And all you've got to do to earn one of those seats is so simple. It's so easy. Just go to iTunes. I want you to find the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, and I want you to rate and review this awesome podcast that is changing so many people's lives. And I want you to send a picture of that review to Darren at WholesalingInc.com. That's Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N at Wholesaling Inc., WholesalingInc.com. Send a picture of that review, and we're going to choose three lucky people to come down to Florida and spend two full days with me. You guys, it's going to be an awesome adventure. You can't buy this seat. It's only for reviewing the podcast. Thank you for your review. Hopefully, we get five stars. Either way, I will see you very soon in Florida. I'm your host, Chris Arnold, and I'm excited about the topic and even more the guest that I have for you today. What are we talking about? Today, we are talking about the value of having the right title company and what it can cost you to have the wrong one. And there's a ton of questions around title companies. What should I be looking for in the title company? Should I have more than one title company? What can I expect? There's a lot. And why this topic really is so important is because title companies can determine whether or not we get paid. I'm sure everyone listening has maybe had an experience in which they felt the title company potentially lost them a deal. And that is the worst way to lose a deal. It's one thing if we mess up, we can blame ourselves. But if a title company does something, then it's like, wow, that's really frustrating. So the guest I have on today that I'm very excited about is actually my director of closing who has actually been doing transactions and closing them out coming up on six years. She has processed as a closing manager, or as we say, director, hundreds of transactions. And there's no one that I know around the country that knows more about title from a wholesaling standpoint than she does, so much so that some of the top guys in the country actually asked to have individual conversations with her to pick her brain about how she does what she does. So Taylor, I'm excited to hang out with you today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Awesome. Tell 
us a little bit about you, where you located and just a little bit about you personally and on the business side so we can get to know you. I'm located in Dallas. I live in Dallas. Um, I've been with Brooklyn, uh, like you said, for almost six years. And I started off as part-time with Brooklyn. It grew in gradually to being the closing manager. And now I'm recapping and the senior closing manager for Brooklyn Investments. Absolutely. And not only are you the closing director, you also have a closing person underneath you as well that you help manage as well. So it's a two-person team, correct? Yes, it is. Awesome. All right. So let's get to the meat, right? Let's talk about title companies and pick your brain about everything that you know. So one of the first things is like location. Does the location of your title company matter? Uh, definitely. Depending on what market you're in, whether uh, that's DFW, um, anywhere in California or whatever state, whatever location, like for us specifically, DFW, having our title company local and having them know what's going on, uh, different things that are changing in the DFW area, having plugs for, let's say, for uh, tax information or certain people they can call to get us information faster. It's always in your best interest to have your title company in the same market you're working in. Okay, absolutely. And that's, again, you're emphasizing that for the access to information that a local title company gets versus one that's not local, correct? Yes, definitely. They're going to be more familiar. Okay. And more comfortable looking in that market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Are all title companies created equally or are there some that are, quote, more investor friendly? Is that actually true? That is true. There are more uh, title companies that are more comfortable just on the retail side of things. They'll do their uh, couple investor deals here and there. But then you have your other title companies that are way more experienced and investor friendly and they have tricks up their sleeve and they can help you with information maybe you're not familiar with. Like, for example, when we first started, I wasn't too familiar with something called uh, a blind HUD. and our title company that we started with that was pretty familiar with doing investor deals, they uh, schooled me on, you know, we can show basically your information on one HUD and then on the seller's HUD, they won't necessarily see how much you're making per se. So that really saved us on a lot of deals. Okay. And because so that's, of our profit margin. Wow. And so de- to define that, if someone newer is listening, a blind HUD is your ability to actually hide what you're making on a deal from the other parties involved, correct? Yes, exactly. Perfect. Now, to break that down, so what I hear you saying is there are some title companies that are built to work retail, which is with you know traditional real estate agents and brokers. And then there's some that are built to actually work better with investors. Now, if I'm new to the game and I'm like, well, how do I figure out the difference? How do I know whether a title company works more with agents or works more with investors, because if I call them, they're probably going to tell me what I want to hear. So how do you actually know which ones are investor-friendly? You can ask them just how many, like for example, how many investors do they actually work with like on a day-to-day? Are they familiar, for example, with blind HUDs? And in simple questions like, do you disclose information about our assignments to your sellers? Like, what kind of relationship do you have there? Do you have our back on that end? Or are you more like toward the seller? Which, I mean, it's fine. 
but we also want to keep a sense of confidentiality when it comes to that and um, the buyers that we bring in. So just simple questions like that, just to kind of screen your title company, uh, that'll help a lot as well. Okay. Now, another thing is like diversity, right? A title company should have experience dealing with multiple types of closings. What, what does that actually look like? When we say multiple types of closings, what are we talking about in the sense of diversity? How, how do we identify that in a title company? Um, again, it comes back to questions and just screening the title company. Our title company, for example, is very familiar with uh, retail transactions, but they're also familiar with wholesale assignments, dealing with multiple buyers at one time. And they're also familiar with a lot of title issues, which is because of the markets that we're in, I see a lot of, and not only different title issues, multiple title issues within one transaction. So having a title company that's diverse in just different types of closings and different title issues is very helpful. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because, you know, as I do, particularly in Dallas Fort Worth, where we're at, I think you've seen just about every title issue there is, and most of those on a regular basis. Yes, on a regular basis. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes what you do difficult. But what has always been amazed with me is you're at a point where you talk, you know, way above most of our heads in the sense of what you understand about title, because there is a lot that goes into understanding each of those title issues. So, Let's talk about the actual staff at a title company, right? Like when I go in and I say, okay, this particular title company is investor friendly, but then I start to look at the particular staff that make it up. What am I looking for when it comes to staff? What should I be expecting them to offer me? Honestly, I mean, there are title companies that we work with that are on a smaller scale. There's three to four, maybe five people in an office. And there's title companies that we work with that there's you know, 13 to 15 people within their office. What we're looking for though, as far as staffing wise, or what we're, what we're looking for specifically is not so much the number, but the, the attitude and the people that we can actually contact for our deals. So having a specific person of contact is a huge deal for me having somebody that I can go to on a day-to-day basis, like, hey, I have to get an update for Sunrise Drive and them being able to reply within an hour, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, that is, it's huge because I have so much on my plate, you know, having those updates daily or every other day, it just helps me do my job that much better. And if that person is busy, having someone else in their place to be like, you know what? I don't have that file in front of me, but I can go grab it and just look at it and tell you where they're at. And I can give you an update myself. So not so much having, you know, it doesn't mean that the more people, the better. It's just that having somebody that is committed to our contracts and then also having somebody else under them, assistant, whoever it is, be like, okay, you know what? She's not available, but let me help you with that update. I'll, you know, give me yeah. 30 minutes. I'll have it right, right to you. So the word I hear is somebody that's dedicated to your files at the title company is really important so that you have one point of contact rather than just calling in and just speaking to different people on that team. 
But at the same time, the team that's behind your point of contact should also be able to step in as needed. And that's what we should expect from our staff over at the title company. Okay. Now, what does it look like for a title company to kind of go the extra mile? Like how do we gauge? And I'm looking for specifics here. I'm working with the title company and I want to go, how do I know they're on par? How do I know not even that they're on par, but they're really going the extra mile? What does that look like in your world with the title companies that you work with? Again, it goes back to the communication and dedication that that title company has. So even I test our title companies before we actually use them all the way. So for example, if I have you know one or two files that I give a title company to just go ahead and test them out, the updates, that's something I'm looking for. If a title company has taken more than an hour or two to respond to me, that probably means that I'm not top priority within their stack. And a good title company is, no matter how busy they are, are going to make time for you because they want your business and they actually care about your file. Take the time to be like, you know what, I'll get to this real quick. Let me just update her really fast on what's going on. It doesn't take but five minutes. So the communication, updating. And then, for example, one of our title companies that we have right now, one of the head escrow agents, always, like when I say going above and beyond, we had four closures last month, uh, two of them going on simultaneously. Seven to 10 day uh, close turnaround and a foreclosure, that's really tough. And we had to get a payoff to the attorney so the foreclosure wouldn't take place. It was a Monday, foreclosures on Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month. And she actually went down to the attorney office herself to hand deliver the payoff so they wow. could stop the foreclosure. That's a great that's example. The- so that's an example of going above and beyond. Right there. Now, Taylor, you keep saying title companies, plural. My question is, do you put all of your eggs in one basket with one title company and try to just strengthen that relationship and just give them all your business? And you go in and go, hey, if you do a great job for me, I'm going to give you all my business. Or do you go a different route and have more than one title company? What's the better setup there in your experience? Honestly, in my experience... um, you never want to put all your eggs in one basket. You always want to have multiple title companies for sure. And at the same time, the reason for that being the why you want multiple title companies, you never want them to lose that. You don't want them to take you for granted. If your title company knows that you're sending them all your business, I'm like, ah, you know, we can basically slack off a little bit. I be- I'm a firm believer that having multiple title companies helps us out tremendously because I feel that it helps build a healthy type of competition between the title, the title companies, companies right? Yes, know, the hey, title company. I got to fight for this a little bit. Yes, they they don't back off. So, and that's what I'm looking, and that's what we need because we have such a heavy contract count, and I have so many. You know, I have so much on my plate at one time. Even with you know Alan helping tremendously, she's you know dealing with almost half the load as well. It's still like having those, you know, two to three title companies. And I don't ever lie. I don't ever say, you know, you're my only title company. They know that there's multiple title companies. And I think that's helped us out tremendously because that lets them know that, hey, we really appreciate you. You know, you have our back. We love you. But at the same time, I don't want them to slap off and take the fact that I don't want them to take our business for granted. Yeah. And I can remember in the past when we, Taylor, just had one title company, they would get a little bit soft. They would lose that sense of urgency 
And then you would come in and go, oh, we're going to start moving a partial amount of these files over to this next A and B C title company. And all of a sudden, they'd perk up, right? Exactly. <laughs> they'd start they getting would. faster, right. better, all that stuff. So they realize they're losing business. Yeah. Yeah. Keep them competing for your business. I, I definitely think that that's important as well. Now, I've heard you also say that another great reason to have multiple title companies is that based on the title issue, that for instance, you might have one title company that does really well with X title issue and another company that does really well with this different title issue. Is that true that you're sending contracts to our different title companies based on the type of title issues because some are just better at dealing with them? Yes, it is very true. Um, You do have title companies that specialize a little bit more. For example, when the attorney's in-house, it's actually easier to deal with, for example, like the IRS, you know, tax liens or uh, foreclosures because can have, you know, ask your questions right then and there. When the when the attorney is out of office, you know, like the fee attorney, it's a little bit harder, the communication, because it's going through the escrow officers. So having communication with the attorney, is it helps a lot. And having title companies that specialize in certain, you know, whether that be, again, like the foreclosures or abstract judgments or certain liens, uh, it actually helps speed the process along that much more and helps you with your closing time. Makes sense. So there are two types of investor-friendly title companies. Those that the attorney on staff works actually in the office. They have an in-office attorney. And then there's other title companies that the attorney is out of office. Did I get that right? Yes. And that can determine based on where the attorney's located on how well they deal with certain title issues that would, I guess, require the attorney to be more involved to get that title yeah. uh, mm-hmm. issue cleared. Did I get that right? Yeah. So, I mean, we have some title companies, their attorney is not in office and they're still really fast. But just me, I just feel more comfortable that my wording, my emails are going directly to them and they're, my point is getting across and I'm understanding what they're telling me. And that helps a lot as well. Okay. And putting all this together, you know, we run, uh, if you haven't read the book, highly recommend it called Traction. And in Traction is what's called EOS, which is the Entrepreneur's Operating System. And that's just a fancy way of, you know, here's how you should build out your team and your company. And one of the parts of uh, Traction is that every person in your number and your company or team member is responsible for a number. Term is everyone gets a number or gets a metric that they're responsible for. Now, your metric, Taylor, that you're responsible for in your position is contract to close. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Can you define what it means to have that number? What are we talking about when we say your KPI or your metric is contract to close? What is that KPI for you? So we're looking specifically at how long it takes from when a contract comes in. I receive a contract from our acquisition manager to when it's closed out and funded. And we have our fee in the bank. So right now, that number is between 23 and 24 days. And that's been pretty consistent even last year. And so we're trying to keep that consistent this year or lower. Really trying to go lower than that. Yeah. So from the time a contract comes in 
meaning comes into your hands until we get closed and paid as an organization is around 23 to 24 days. Yeah. Now, if you're listening and either you're listening going, I don't really know that number because I don't track it, or I track that number and in no way is my number close to that. Do you mind, Taylor, telling us about where we were, where we started before you really got this all systemized? How long was it taking us years ago to close these transactions out? Ooh, on certain deals, I mean, it's hard to believe. On certain deals, especially with like IRS liens and like certain affidavit, uh, affidavit airship issues, which were huge for us. And still, I mean, that's a lot of our, you know, our clients do have a lot of affidavit airship, which is basically just multiple people on that have to be involved in the sale of a home that maybe they're not necessarily, they know about Prevy to, but as far as that number, when we first started, it could take up to 60 days to close those type right. of properties. And I, I can remember, I believe, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, that our average contract to close at one point was averaging over 50 as a whole. Isn't that right? And you yeah. cut it in mm-hmm. half over time, you and the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're listening, that should give you a rabbit to chase. That if you're looking at your contract to close process, you're, and again, the title company is a part of that. Again, I know there's other variables, but it does give you a sense that if you have a well oiled closing process, it should on average be about 23 to 24 days. When you take all of your contracts each month, how long it took all of them to close, and then you average that number up to come up with the true average. Now, another question, what are a couple things that you actually take responsibility for to send a title uh, company documentation in order to speed up that process? Again, I know there's several, but what are the top two things that listeners might go, hey, I need to know what can I help to do to speed up that process? Do you mind touching on two documents that you make sure they have in their hands right when the contract is sent over to them? Right when the contract's sent over, we definitely require the seller's authorization, which basically gives the authorization to the title company to request information on the seller's behalf. So any kind of liens with the city, any kind of judgments, whatever the case may be, mortgage infer- uh, mortgage payoffs with mortgage companies, those types of things you're going to need 99.99% of the time. The lien holder is going to require that seller's authorization. And it's usually just a one-page form and the seller is just signing off saying you know, they get permission to the title company to request that on their behalf. And the next, you get um, that signed, or does the acquisition manager get that signed? The acquisition manager gets that signed, but we make sure <laughs> if the acquisition manager does not have that, which sometimes it happens, it's usually required when they submit a contract. I have to have that piece of paper because it's so important. And okay. so, whether I have to take well, that's like the one manager, I hear you saying, like if you were to eighty twenty this. If you're going to get one document signed at the time of contract from the seller, get the seller's authorization signed and sent over to the title company along with the contract, right? That's the yes. big... What's the second one to that, would you say? Um, the second one to that would probably be the seller information. And that basically is a... It's just a one-page paper with just their basic information, last four of their 
social, their ID number, um, the driver's license number, that information is super important because, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of information here. And when the title company gets the commitment back and they see all these different names, I mean, people have really common names like John Smith. I don't know how many names could probably pop up on that title. But having that information right there is going to cancel out more than 50% of the nonsense that's on that title, uh, the title commitment. So we don't have to deal with that. And we can just actually focus on what's actually needed to cure title. Okay. So do you take the mentality that the title company should do everything on their own? Or do you see it more as a partnership between you as the director of closing or closing manager in the title company? Because I know some people are very hands-off. It's like, well, the title company should just deal with all that and I just send it over and just send me a check. Where others would go, there's more of a partnership. What philosophy do you take when it comes to working with the title company to get the best results? There's definitely a partnership. I am very involved in the title process, probably more than... I need to be, <laughs> but that also guarantees that we're closing things on time and that I have appropriate updates because, I mean, one thing I've learned working here in First Along is things can change within an hour. So having that communication, being so hands-on, being involved so much, I mean, in my world, it pays off and it pays off for us because it really helps me keep a grasp on what's needed. For example, if I, if the title company is like, we just can't find this person. I can't tell you how many times our team is like, okay, we're having like a brainstorm session and we're going to figure out how to find this person, whether that be through Facebook or research, like we're going to find this person. And, and we do, we end up finding them, calling them. And as impossible as it seemed to cure that title, from one day to the next, they're ready to go to the closing table because we have the information that's needed. Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. And Taylor, obviously, you know that we are helping people you know, all around the country set up radio in order to find discounted properties. And you've been with us so long that you've processed contracts coming off of things like direct mail, you know, ringless voicemail, uh, online marketing, bandit signs. like You have processed contracts coming from just about every lead generation source out there because we've tried them all because we've been in business now 15 years. My question to you is for those you know that are interested in setting up radio, that's something that they've heard us and myself talking about. Have you observed anything from your perspective as a closing manager when it comes to the difference between a contract that comes from radio versus other sources? Just curious. I have. There's three main things. One, they're usually um, easier to close. They do have their title issues, but they are a little bit easier to close. And one reason for that is because the sellers are usually so driven. I mean, they're the ones calling us to... So you observe that the sellers coming off radio are more motivated than the other sources we have. Yes, I would totally argue that. Uh, They're just more, they're driven. I mean, they're calling us, they're needing our help. So A versus B, you know, the seller that, you know, we call that maybe they're potentially going into foreclosure to the seller that's, you know, called a radio lead that 
they know that foreclosure's coming and they need help getting their home sold, they're at least, you know, 50 to 75% more driven to, what do you need? I can get it to you tomorrow. Uh, you need this information? I'll call the IRS myself and sit on hold with them. Like, that's why it's so much easier when it comes to these leads. The quality of those leads is just that much better because they are so driven. Yeah. And then another great thing about radio leads, that, again, having to do with the quality, the profit margin is much higher basically on those um, radio leads. Would you say that out of every type of marketing we do, our biggest profit comes from uh, leads that come via radio? I would say so, yes. A, a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that as well because you know we track everything. That uh, what's always interested me about radio of all the benefits that are there is that one of the biggest, which you just hit on, is the fact that it produces us the highest average profit per deal. So if you've been listening and radio is something you're interested in, you're like, I'm, I'm nervous about ringless voicemail and text blasting, the regulation, the tech changing, you know, direct mail's oversaturated in my area. Again, it just keeps going and going and going on some of the challenges out there on finding discounted properties. And that's what wholesaling is. It's the art and the ability to find properties at a discount. What I encourage you to do is go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Again, wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio and book a call and ask more questions to figure out if 2020 this year for you is really about getting a great lead generation source set up like radio, which of course for us has been really the best thing we've ever set up throughout the years. Taylor, you've been around with us almost six years. So you know everything we've tried. Radio has been awesome. So Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for all the expertise that you've developed over the years. And more importantly, your willingness to share that with us today. Thank you, Chris. And again, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you coming and we will see you all soon. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.